Hey, this is Buzz Bishop, and you're listening to the Don't Change Much podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Kicking off Move for Your Mental Health Month, we're talking about the impact of exercise on the body and the mind. I'm joined by Olympian and 14-time World Cup champion Simon Whitfield and award-winning researcher and associate UBC professor Dr. Eli Putterman. We dive into the latest research, how much exercise to aim for, and what to do when you lose motivation. Howdy, gents. How are we today? Pretty good. Getting there slowly and surely. Uh, Eli, I was wondering what you think about mood and stress level. What does exercise do for our mood? Oh, what doesn't it do for our mood? The list is so long. In general, all the research really highlights that moving our bodies more now than we were before will improve uh, depression, anxiety levels, will improve general, like how you're going about your daily business. One of the studies I did was with an older adults who are providing care for a family member who has um, uh, dementia or Alzheimer's uh, type of Alzheimer's disease. And what we found was that people who had not worked out in a very long time, because most of their time is providing care to someone, you know, and they have very little time to uh, and energy to be able to kind of mount that type of necessary movement on a daily basis, but they still wanted to. So they joined our study. Six months of exercising changed their depression levels, their stress levels, their anxiety, uh, of course, improved their health as well. But we also tracked how they were experiencing their daily lives. And we found that they had a greater sense of control on a daily basis. They ruminated less about negative things that were happening during their days. They also felt in a better mood throughout their days. There's like these really large effects that exercise can really just really revolutionize how we're and how we're dealing with stress on a daily basis. Work in the lab shows that if I work you out on a treadmill and then put you in a stressor task, it changes your physiology to that stressor task and changes how people feel. People feel less sad. They feel less anxious. They feel less stressed out, just even though they are undergoing a stressor that another group are doing, but they didn't work out. It just changes everything. It's really mind-blowing to see the very large effects that exercise have, has on how much do we need to do to feel these benefits? Is it a walk around the block? Is it training for a 10K? What is it? Now, I, so that's a great question. So in general, the, you know, the uh, Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology Group, CSEP, they recommend 150 minutes per week. That's global. Everywhere across the globe, every, everyone's recommending 150 minutes per week. So that's 30 minutes per day of moderate to vigorous activity. That, that all just gets kind of jumbly, right? So, so what, what do people need? Uh, more than they were doing yesterday. That's my typical way of kind of just prescribing it. You like light exercise, do light exercise. You like moderate exercise, do moderate exercise. You like to go really intensely like I do, go really intensely. It has to be something that people do that they find fun and they find that is uh, something that would want they'd want to then sustain and do more often, right? Because if you do something today like, hey, Simon, Go do a high intensity interval training workout and go do CrossFit and he gets there and he does it. And he's like, this is the worst thing ever. He just won't do it again. 
right? And then now we've locked the chance for Simon to start working out more often. So it really is about like just doing something more fun. Now, from a numbers perspective, people who are working out today over the next few years are at half the recommended, so 75 minutes, have a 20% on average reduced risk of developing depression over time. If I meet the requirements, it's about 25 to 30% reduced risk. So there is a reduced risk somewhere between 20 to 30% by working out today in terms of your mental health in the future. That is so simple. Do more than you did yesterday and find something that you like. Like that's just an easy way to do it. For me, it's, it's about being competitive. I'm, I like to be competitive. So I have the watch. I want to close my rings. I want to do the monthly challenge. On the weekend, did you know it was International Dance Day? And if you danced for half an hour, you got a little badge. And so it's stuff like that. That motivates me. Uh, Simon, you, you seem to have a more holistic approach to, to health and fitness. What, what keeps you going? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I want to play, I want to make it through the soccer season without getting hurt. And I want to take on the, the center midfield, uh, center midfield and center defense. So usually the big boys. You know, it's interesting. I had an interesting experience in the summer. I, so I hadn't done anything hard in 10 years. Um, when I say that I'd done hard things, but they'd, I'd always kind of trick myself into doing them. So you, what, what I mean by that is inclement weather. So I would go out paddling and I would find inclement weather and I would end up doing something hard because I had to get home. Um, but if I really looked at it and was honest about it, I, I didn't work out. I, I don't think I've done a, a part per se, a workout with prescribed intervals for a decade. Literally, I, I had gone to the gym a little bit. I had done a couple things, but I usually actually, kind of, you know, just ease my way through it. I think I, I was so content in this idea that I no longer had to count down intervals that I took it to an extreme. And what I think happens, and Doc will know a lot more of the psychology about this than I do, but I think what happens, and I'm going to use some funny terms here, but your best self gets in the back seat, and your shadow start, self starts driving. And what I mean by that is that you you're not doing hard things. So your best self has to do hard things in order to take the wheel. And if you don't do that, your shadow self kind of says, well, we don't do hard things anymore. So maybe I'll just drive and I'm going to go crash into a couple of things here. So this summer I started going to the ocean. Uh, it was just a, it was kind of whimsical. I went there because we, the kids and I were looking for something to do in the summer and I still had to work. And so we'd go down the ocean and I would jump in the ocean and I'd do that kind of cold immersion thing. And I think well, after 10 days, I started just, I couldn't get enough. And what I realized, what I think I realized later was that it, it was the first time I'd actually done something hard. The getting in the ocean, Victoria, is never easy. You, don't, you, you acclimate to an extent, but it's never actually easy. It is cold every single time. And the shift for me was quite profound. I went from the middle of August, I still had some vices. I wasn't doing racking. I wasn't consistent about my, any kind of physical training, doing more than I did yesterday. And when I started on this streak, of doing something hard every day and getting in the ocean was hard every day. It's like, it's, it was as if my, my hashtag best self cut off in the back seat and, and said, hi, stop shadow self. I'm, you know, get in the trunk. I'm, I'm going to drive in now. And it was a profound change. I did a hundred days in a row because I like streaks just like everybody else. And, uh, now it's my go-to whenever I'm feeling a bit of that angst, whatever that is, whatever that, whatever you call it, that for me, I call it the angst. Whenever the angst, even just knowing that I could just go to the ocean and, and it's gone, 
that's had a profound effect and the, and the, the cumulative effect or the, the, the run on effect from that has been really game changing. So, um, I don't know if it's the ocean for someone, I don't know what, what it is, but getting on a streak where you do something hard every day, doing hard things, um, had a profound shift for me. And, and I hope that that, you know, that can be useful for other people too. All right. Well, then let's let's talk talk about you. You know, Simon's got the building blocks of of a lifetime of being one of the best in the world at what he does. Perhaps you're a little bit more like the everyman. Eli, how do you balance your work in the school of kinesiology with staying active and healthy on your own? Yeah. So I I think um, so. How do I do it? I first of all, you know, I have a pet. It helps me get outside, and that's wonderful. I recently had a knee injury, so I haven't been able to do what I am actually quite passionate about, which is some form of high intensity interval training that I've been doing for quite a long period of time at this point, not CrossFit, not with group, you know, just on my own doing some really intense workouts that are, have intervals within them. So like 30 second on for something really intensely, 10 second break, 30 second on. And I use this one app that really has kept me motivated to work out for years and years and years in this way. When I lived in San Francisco, I would go trail running all the time. Every single weekend, I'd be on the trails going for somewhere between 10 and 15 kilometers or miles actually uh, with friends. I think, you know, as I've gotten older, because I'm nearing 50, um, I have really evaluated what my body can do, how much weights I need to bear, what my body shape should look like to impress people and really have turned it much more internal into I want my last few years to not be sick. I want them right. to be as healthy as my body to be as healthy as long as possible so that one day I wake up and I have like two weeks left to live as opposed to like wake up and I'm have a slow decline over a 10 year period. Right. That's how I'm like seeing the rest of my kind of workout life. I also spend a lot of time in nature. That's probably one of the most important things that I do is camping and hiking and swimming in the ocean. It's something I'm, I do every single summer for two months straight. You know, I, and I could pretty much say this is the Canadian Men's Health Foundation, and, and we are blessed to live in a country that has a big backyard pretty much anywhere you want to be, from the Greenbelt in Toronto to the Laurentians in Montreal, the oceans on both coasts. And I can go 10 minutes from my house in Calgary and be lost in, in a prairie. Uh, Simon, I wanted to know if there was ever a time when you were really injured and you weren't able to to train and you weren't able to stick to a routine. Yeah, I had a couple uh, trauma accidents as in bike crashes uh, that certainly when you break a collarbone or you uh, broke some wrists, um, that was difficult. I had great advice from Dr. Rob Hasegawa in Victoria that said, you've got to keep your metabolism rolling. So keep the routine going. The temptation being to just kind of sequester and, and fall into no routine. And so uh, Doc Haskell got me out there uh, right away. I came back, it was 2002. I came back, I had to be back for, well, wanted to be back for Commonwealth Games. Um, so it was, it was, I was out and moving as much as I could. I was, I was up early. I, at the time, I think I was doing something that now I've realized years later was so important, which is this getting outside in the morning, getting sunlight and natural light in your eyes. You know, I think just keeping that, that rhythm and that, that rhythm to your day 
um, was so important and not falling into that kind of bogged down routine. So that's been, uh, that was a, that was a critical, critical piece for me. And, and now I have less, I, I, I don't, I have some injury, I, every, you know, from soccer, I get some injury issues and a lot of it is just maintaining mobility and, and being patient and actually, and, and it's that subject object shift of taking the the subjective emotional piece out of what you want to do to and and your aspirations and really ref, getting back to just the 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 pragmatic you know approach to a progression back which is is something as simple as just getting out the door and getting out for a walk um that has been that little piece right there of getting out the door and the first thing in the morning you know the, the biggest change that made any difference for me is a large glass of water first thing in the morning sure you know, that is this funniest thing and it's so, so common sense, but it all, there's a whole bunch of positive gain that comes from that. And including just this function of you told yourself to do it. <laughs> Mission. First thing you did in the day was accomplish something. You, you, right? exactly. you drank a large glass of water and, and it, and the like incremental gain or the, you know, step in the right direction begins with that large glass of water first thing in the morning and then getting outside and getting out for a walk. And those things, whether you're injured or whether you're, you quote unquote, feel fully fit, uh, don't actually change. And one of the things I, I like you said there, Doc, was like, what I, I refer to it as like coached by my 70 year old self. It's one of the reasons I didn't go into Ironman is I wanted my knees, you know, I wanted my knees to be around. And so uh, now I think a lot about that. I think about what, how my 70 year old self has the right to a fit and healthy mind and body and wants to, you know, it's an empathy for your future self. Your, your future self's going, hey, me down the line here, like uh, I would like to walk around too and not be in pain. And I would like to, and so maybe you should put your arms above your head and, and, and keep your mobility and keep your movement and, and establishing patterns and, and behavior patterns is everything in that. And that begins with that large glass of water in the morning. <laughs> When we talk about move for your mental health for the month of June, we've talked a lot about the mental benefits, but half of men are still struggling to get those daily and weekly minutes that you talk about, Eli, that, that 30 minutes a day. And I think we've tackled a few ways to do it, right? Simon is a, is a streaky guy. There's the get a pet. There's the competitive guy. But the other part that I've heard you talk about, Simon, is, is the social aspect. If you can if you're a, I like to have beers and wings guy, but you combine it with a men's night golf tournament or a Peloton cycling group, or uh, you, you form a hiking group on meetup, then you're, you're kind of getting both. Would, would you, would you agree, Eli? Oh, definitely. Uh, for most people, moving their bodies with other people is what keeps them sustained. It's interesting you said about Dan. So a new meta-analysis is about to come out that I just saw. And the meta-analysis is a summary of research studies. And it's a study about all these exercise interventions. And they were highlighting, so most studies are like, how many minutes do you need? Should it be aerobic? Should it be resistance? So aerobic being, you know, increasing your cardiovascular and, and cardiorespiratory function versus resistance, which is lifting weights, so muscle movement in that way. Which kind should it be? Should it be supervised or not? So this new study that's coming out is is really cool. And the reason it's really cool is it looked at different types of movement. So looking, they looked at dance, they looked at running, they looked at yoga studies, they looked at all the different kind of studies. And the in this paper, not yet fully impressed, 
Uh, so I, you know, I can't say who it is or whatever, but there's a preprint out there if anyone wants to find it. The biggest, most impactful way to reduce depression was dance. And it's because dance is typically done with other people. It's done in a group. It's fun. There's music. And that's why we have to move our bodies in ways that like are just enjoyable. It's the only way to sustain something. We are humans. You know, there's some of us who like to track things, but that's because you find it fun, right? You're liking your gadgets because those gadgets are fun for you. Gadgets for me are the least fun things on the planet. So for me, tracking myself isn't that fun. So I don't track myself when I'm moving my body. I do things that I'm just doing because like I'm getting that rush of adrenaline and I'm getting those like when we worked out, we also get endocannabinoids, which is pretty much like CBD in our brain gets released in our brain and in our bodies that calm us down and give us that runner's high. That's what I thrive on is that like that high that I get when I'm really persisting and going intensely. And I just find it so much fun, but everyone has their own way. But I think social and being with others, it's one of the best ways to make it happen. Uh, let's talk about your uh, favorite song for a dad dance party. Eli, what are you dancing? <laughs> I don't know. It's been everything from, uh, what was that? Uh, I, I'm going to pass this one on to Simon. I have to think. I, <laughs> oh, now, that, now that I bought him some time, he'll buy me some time. <laughs> well, bam. Yeah. Yeah, I'll <laughs> go with camp. I'll go with camp. Moon Moonshine. What's it called? Moon Moonstro- Moonshine. Yeah. There you go. Camp. C-A-A-M-P. How How old are your kids now, Simon? Uh, 13 and 15 playing soccer and volleyball and seeing mom and dad, you know, get be as active as it's a big part of our routine is the kids just being out, out and active and, right. and, uh, the very Canadian, uh, it's, it's lake time and ocean time and just the privilege of being able to get outdoors and have easy access to it. And we're taking full advantage of that. Yeah. I, I mean, if you can overcome, you know, I think one of the hardest things about doing things in groups and let's say going to the gym or going to a dance class is that feeling that you have with your body, that relationship that you have with your body. And most people are not coming from a place of like, I work out all the time and I feel good about my body. Most people are coming from a place of, I hate my body. Um, And I think that people need to overcome that kind of that stress that they feel about their body, how they feel in their clothing And just be like, well, I'm just doing this anyway. And they have to build a mantra around like letting themselves go to these places where they will be moving in awkward ways in clothes that they might not always feel so comfortable in because they don't like what has happened to their body over the past 30 years since they had children, Uh, you know, so or 15 years or whatever it is. So I, I think there's a lot to overcome. But once you overcome it, it's just this flood of really great feelings. You make connections with people. And another thing I'll say is that at the end of it, remember that feeling that you're having, that high that you're having, that calmness that you're having, that social togetherness feeling that you're having, because those those memories, I call it savoring. So it's it's like savoring a good dessert and a good muffin, but I call it savoring like that workout experience. And if you can savor it by remembering it and really like, immersing yourself in that feeling it will help you go again the next time when you're feeling uncomfortable in your clothing when you're feeling distressed when you're feeling that there's no time to actually go and do this class all of that it helps you overcome it by remembering how good it was
much like Tiger inspired me to take up golf and Ken Dryden made me want to be in the NHL, there was a moment in 2000 when you were running up the steps of the Opera House in Sydney. And I'm like, I'm 30 years old. I want to do triathlon. So I want to dig into your past a little bit, Simon, and talk about your success, because it wasn't just one and done. It was a long career as a world champion and the Olympic medals, two gold or sorry, a gold and a silver, eight years apart. You were 25 when you won that gold in Sydney and then 33 in Beijing. Can you talk about prepping for the two of them? Oh, man, you're taking me back. So that's all stuff that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far away. Right. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, it, it, I, I, as much as I joke, it happened a long time ago. It really, the stories of it and the idea of what we did for prep is a bit of a distant memory and subject to a lot of uh, reinterpretation. So I'll, I'll do my, <laughs> do my best. Right. I think the the thing that just stands out is obsession. You know, that was what like, you can we can get into the finer details of it, but at the end of the day, it was eat, sleep, breathe. Um, get obsessed, stay obsessed, the world according to T.S. Garp. And um, that's what it was. Uh, that's what it takes to be at that level. It's uh, it's the all in mentality. And uh, it comes at it comes at a cost. That's the beauty of it. It's the pursuit of mastery, much like any other much like any other profession or endeavor or passion that people have. It's uh, it takes all of oneself to compete at that high level. And it was a real privilege to be able to do that, to call that a quote unquote job to run around my studio. Right. Uh, we're, we're talking about move for your mental health for the month of June. And we're talking about regular Al Bundy's with their Polk High memories and, and trying to get out there and do it. What was the difference of being 25, 33, 37 during some of your big Olympic moments? Did that change at all or or how do you adapt going through your career like that? Now, that's a good question. I think you just there it's the ignorance is bliss. So there's a bit that comes with uh, gaining self-awareness, you know, and so you you gain a greater self-awareness of your position in it all and, and how what it is that makes you tick and all that comes with it, the curse of self. So um, when you're young and and you're you're singularly focused like that. There is, and your prefrontal cortex ha- doesn't have a big story of self narrating away. Then uh, things are a little bit easier sometimes. And then as you you grow older and your patterns and behaviors start to to settle in or set in, or that you know it is a little, it takes a lot more momentum to get to get going. And so I certainly have had my challenges with that. You know, from being obsessive and and super dedicated to being at the, the very least nonchalant and and not very disciplined. It's, it's certainly been a journey that's had some some hiccups along the way, much as the other Al Bundys out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so you're, you're running your last world championship race. What was it like to get off that train as, a, as an Olympic champion athlete the day after, the week after, the month after you, when you retire? So delving into the memory bank, the kaleidoscope that it is. Um, yeah, I mean, life just changed so much. You, you have an identity as someone who's pursuing excellence and, and immersed in the every day in the day to day. And then life catches up with you. And there's a lot of things. Look, for me, it was personal relationships that had really been put on the back burner for the the time that I was that focused. And those chickens came home to roost. So there was a lot of... Uh, upheaval, let's call it, and a lot of adjustment. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It made uh, it made for a lot of lessons that were to be learned and were learned and continue to be learned. But 
There's a Maori expression, the New Zealand Maoris, that the, it says, and it comes down to, it's all about the people, the people, the people. And so all the results and all the other, you know, fun stuff, all the fanfare that comes with it. Um, at the end of the day, it really is about the people, the people, the people. The th- that's what you really remember. That's what you miss. That's where you get the growth from. The rest is just details. I mean, it, like I joked about it, but it's true. It's just, you're just running around your speedo. So it's ridiculous. <laughs> Finally <laughs> absurd, you know, it's not even functionally proper. So um, at the end of the day, it's about, it's, a, it is, it's about the people, the people, the people. How do you know when to let go and to lower the bar of expectation? You know, I once ran the Vancouver Sunrun 10K in 49 minutes and I ran it again this spring and it was not 49 minutes. How do you, knowing you were a, a world Olympic champion, how do you, when you're out getting active now, how do you know to lower that bar? I mean, I just don't, it, it didn't matter before and it doesn't matter now. You know, 49 minutes back then didn't matter. And then as much as we, we thought it did, and it, it doesn't matter now. I, I know that sounds contrarian or contrary to what you think, but that realization, you know, at the end of the day, I, again, I'm going to joke about it, but I was running around my Speedo and it's like, it is patently absurd. And I think there's something quite beautiful in the gift of understanding that. So now you'll see me, I play over 35s Masters B in the Vancouver Island Soccer League. <laughs> and, and you, you know, and people, and I just, I just love the theater of sport. And we played, just as an example, I mean, it was not about the, we made it all the way to the Tom, Tommy Grovner Cup semifinal or whatever it was. And at the end of it, I, all I really cared was that we got to the pub afterwards and shared, shared stories with the boys. And, and we showed up. You know, that was actually what it was about. So gaining somewhere along the line, gaining perspective on that has been, I think it actually helped me in my career because at the time I had uh, my folks, my sister and I grew up with this real reinforced attitude from our folks that it was, it was really about the effort you put in. It was not about the results. Um, that really frees you to pursue whatever it is that is your passion without this idea that it's an outcome-based thing. Obviously you set goals, you set high goals, but at the end of the day, it's all about the preparation. It's all about the work you put in. We've, we've corrupted those terms because we've decided to latch onto this idea that we're not a map, we're not a everywhere and every, every, everybody gets a ribbon society now. We, we, we've used that as a derogatory thing. And I really push back against that. It is about ribbons. It is about participation. The rest is, but yeah, and then from that, people will aspire to race at the pointy end. But let's let's not bog down in that 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 idea that there's something lesser than because we're not competing at the highest level. There, it's it's a different journey for everybody and and to each their own. Showing up is important, Eli. Thanks for the indulgence of a few minutes <laughs> with one of my youthful idols. Uh, maybe you can chime in here now. What do you think about? just showing up or dealing with declining performance for competitive men as, as we try to, you know, still maintain our youthful glory. I mean, it's interesting the way that Simon's talking about it because, and so I'm, I'm a faculty member at the school of kinesiology and I see that elite group of athletes and elite group of adult you know, young adult men and young adult women who are on varsity teams who are now transitioning out of university and they're transitioning out of their identity as athletes. And they are moving from more 
you know, intense, rigorous scheduling and showing up and effort. And then they are kind of coming through to a new idea of who they are as individuals. And I'm always fascinated by people like Simon and these students that are in my classes and watching how they are transitioning outside of sport and into a new sense of who they are and changing the way that they imagine themselves and how they move their bodies. I typically work with people who rarely move their bodies and I'm trying to push them and edge them towards something, right? So it's a very different place that I come from in terms of where my work is. But, but when, when I see these students, I think one of my biggest worries for them as they transition out is their mental health. And that's just coming, you know, that's with my health psychology hat on, trained in clinical psychology at some point in my life. That's where I'm seeing where there's like this, uh, they don't know what, who they are and their, what their identity means at some point. And that's where my worry is for them. But in general, I'm always just trying to get people to do a little bit more exercise than they were <laughs> right. doing like last week. Thanks for listening. Visit menshealthfoundation.ca this June to find more ways to get active during Move for Your Mental Health Month. And if you haven't already, click the follow button to join us every month for a new episode of the Don't Change Much podcast.